Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Well, hey guys, I am Erica and I'm excited to be here with you and share um, from God's word. Can you um, just go with me on this? Can we have a little story time? Okay, so we're going to have a little story time. This um, is one of my absolute favorite books. I love that Carla just talked a little bit about wisdom and that she's challenging her kids to read um, and memorize Proverbs 3. And something in my household that we do often, when our, especially when our kids are little, is we read this book and we talk about wisdom and folly. And we talk about when they're about to make a choice that is obviously not what they should be doing. Instead of me saying, don't do that, I stop them and say, one moment, do you think that's wisdom or folly? And they'll go, it's folly. Now my little, my little two-year-old Caleb, sometimes he'll go, it's wisdom, mama. And I'm like, no, it's not, buddy. We need to read more. Okay. So this book is called A Light on the Path by LG Satgast, and it is Proverbs for Growing Wise. Now, At the very end of the book, this is what I absolutely love. It gives two little stories about a girl named Folly and then a girl named Wisdom. So here we go. Ready? Folly. And I'm going to totally be a teacher. Here we go. I mean, you'll see it up there. Okay. Folly calls from far and near to all the children who will hear. Come, I say to everyone, you deserve to have some fun. You don't have to be polite. Only sissies do what's right. If you listen to her voice, you will make a dreadful choice, for she's telling you a lie. That will surely make you cry. And then I point out to my children in the next picture, she's picking flowers where there's a picture that clearly says, don't pick the flowers, right? Okay, so folly. She knows what to do and she doesn't do it. Now, wisdom. Wisdom is our next lady here. Oh, look at the countenance change with wisdom and folly. Wisdom. Wisdom calls from far and near to all the children who will hear. Don't be selfish. Don't be rude. Have a thankful attitude. Learn to love what's right and good and always do the things you should. If you listen to her voice, you will make a happy choice for she's telling you to do what she knows is best for you. And so, my friend, win or lose, the time has come for you to choose. Okay, so there you go. There's my cute little book. Um, But the reason why I opened with that is because in our lives, guys, we often know the difference between wisdom and folly when we're presented with a situation. I think the Lord put an innate understanding of the difference between good and evil in us. And even kids from a very young age know, oh, I shouldn't do that, but I want to do it anyway. And as adults, we do the exact same thing, don't we? We know what is wise, but often we choose foolishness. So let's rewind a little bit, because over the past few weeks, we've had some amazing preaching. Aren't you guys really grateful that the Lord has given us some really good people to come and teach us? We had Pastor Justin from Heritage, and he came and taught us about the the parable of the wise and the foolish man, and how both these people heard the stories of God, the wise man listened, and built his house on a rock, 
The foolish man, disregarded, built his house on sand. Both of them encountered hardship. One's house stood, the other's house fell, right? So we, we very clearly see a picture. Wisdom, solid foundation, folly, it's gonna destroy you, right? And then the next week, Pastor Brandon talked to us about really we can trust in God and we can plant ourselves in him because we know that God is God, God is good, and God is good to us. And then last week we talked, uh, we heard from Pastor Elena and she shared with us that God's word is true. It is authoritative. We can stand on it. That it is not only a logos word that we can know and understand, but it's a kairos word that changes the intentions of our hearts and it actually causes us to move forward. That we need to be not just hearers of the word, but we need to be doers of the word. And so today I want to take a look. Okay, we've been talking a lot about wisdom and folly, but what does that really look like? What is that, actually? So we're going to go to one of the most famous wise men in the entire world, okay, and not the three wise men that brought baby Jesus gifts, but Solomon. He was the wisest man, it says during his lifetime, but I would argue that probably ever, um, that Solomon, he wrote these two books. He wrote both um, Proverbs Oh, he wrote three books, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes. Three. Thank you, Andreas. He's like, yes, get this right. Okay, so here we go. So he wrote three books, but the book of Ecclesiastes is really what we're going to like dive into today. First, I want to do a little bit of a character study on Solomon, okay? Because we know that he's a super wise man, but he's got some things to teach us, right? We can always be learning, Good humans are always learning. Good humans are always humble and always learning, right? Yes. Okay, here we go. So Solomon, we, most of us know King David, he had the rock and, you know, brought down Goliath. Well, David was actually the second king of the promised people, the Israelites, and he had many sons, and eventually one of his sons, Solomon, became the ruler. Now, after he became the ruler, um, God appeared to him in a dream, And he said to Solomon, ask, what should I give you? And this is a dream. And Solomon responds. He asks for wisdom. He asks for an obedient heart and wisdom. So in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, it says, God gave him remarkable wisdom and understanding, both riches and honor, so that no man in any kingdom will be your equal during your entire lifetime. If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, Did you catch that? If? If you walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commands, just as your father David did, I will give you a long life. And so God indeed did give Solomon a long life. And let's take a look. In chapter 4 of 1 Kings, verses 29 through 30, hold on with me here. God gave Solomon great wisdom and understanding and knowledge too vast to be measured. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. Let's jump down to verse 34. And kings, okay, so other smart, strong men from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. So here we've got Solomon. He's, he's a king, and not only is he a king, he's like the king's king. Everybody really likes him. Everybody thinks, okay, you've got this, and we want to hear more from you. Solomon was enjoying 
the fruits of the covenant that God had made to his great-great-great-grandfather Abraham 500 years before. God said, I will make you a great nation. You will be a blessing to everyone who you come to, and everyone who trusts you will be blessed by you. So like, this is awesome. You are going to have fruitfulness, and out of you will come the Messiah. Okay, so Solomon's living this out. The kingdom is now secure. The people are blessed. There's riches and food. It's all plentiful and it's great. Here we go. So in 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 23 through 24 says, So King Solomon became richer and wiser than any other king on earth. People from every nation came to visit him and to hear the wisdom God had given him. Now, Solomon's eyes began to wander though. He had all of this wisdom. He had all of this understanding, but he started to be pulled away by the culture that surrounded him. Okay, let's jump into um, 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Now, Solomon loved many foreign women. Okay, can we just stop and say many? We might have some trouble here, Solomon. He loved many foreign women. Okay, here it gets bad. Besides Pharaoh's daughter... Beside Pharaoh's daughter, he married women from Moab, Amnon, Edom, Sidon, and many Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed his people not to intermarry with those nations because the women they married would lead them to worship their gods. Yet Solomon insisted. Can you say insisted? Insisted. Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Okay, Hold up, bro, a thousand women. Something is wrong. Okay, and sure enough, say sure enough, they led his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship their gods instead of trusting only in the Lord, his God, as his father David had done. He insisted unloving them anyway. And sure enough, his heart was turned away. Golly, Moses, that's scary, right? Let's, read, let's keep reading because we need to learn more. Jump down to verse nine. The Lord was very angry with Solomon for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice Twice, guys. Okay, in the Old Testament, it was not common to have the presence of God with you. This was not something that happened all the time. So for the fact that God appeared to him twice, God is saying like, this is a big deal. I am with you and I'm, I'm for you and I'm behind you and I've given you all these promises. I've appeared to you twice. What's going on, man? He had warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen to the Lord's command. Here's what happens. So now the Lord said to him, since you have not kept my covenant and had disobeyed my laws, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. Whoa. Solomon had what? He had all the riches. He had all the authority. He had all of the liking and the encouragement from all of the surrounding kings. He had way too many women. He had so many things, right, that, that you would maybe look and go, oh, you're like, you have it all together. But what did he do? He insisted on disregarding the wisdom that God had already given him. How many would say that there have been times in your life that you have in, in, 
intentionally disregarded the Lord's wisdom. We've all done that, right? Yeah. So Solomon's lack of wisdom caused severe damage, not only to his own life, he lost the kingship, but it actually kind of started to destroy the whole nation, right? So what is it about wisdom? Why do we need to search for it? Well, for all of the wisdom imparted to him, Solomon seems to have forgotten to actually lead himself to wisdom, to come back to it, to anchor himself in it, and to not be dis, um, dissuaged. Proverbs 4, verses 6 through 8 says, Don't turn your back on wisdom. Don't turn your back on her, for she will protect you. Wisdom is not the kind of thing that hurts you. It's a protection. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And whatever else you do, get good judgment. So you can have the wisdom, but you need to have the judgment to make the choice to follow wisdom, right? If you prize wisdom, she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. For just like Solomon, guys, we need to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. Wisdom is of more value than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. For the wise person sees, and while the fool is blind. Another version says, uh, the fool walks in darkness. When we make decisions to turn from the wisdom that God has given us, we are walking in dark- darkness. Dr. Henry Cloud says, when truth presents itself, the wise person sees the light. Oh, there it is. That's, that's a good idea. That's what I should do. Takes it in and then makes adjustments. So walking in wisdom looks like seeing the, I, the thing that you ought to do and then actually doing it. Um, just like Solomon, we actually know what to do, but we don't act on the wisdom that we have. Last night, I was giving our um, two little ones. We have four kids. We've got an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, um, a almost 3-year-old tomorrow, and then a 1-year-old. And I was giving the two little ones a bath. And how many of you have ever given a child a bath? Come on. A lot of you have. Okay. How many of you know, or even when you're showering yourself, you need to tilt your head back so that the water runs that way and not directly into your eyes? Yes? Okay, so I see many parents going, I know where she's going with this. I'm telling my little boy, Caleb, keep your chin up, keep your chin up. I need to rinse your hair out. And he, for all heaven and earth, would not keep his chin up. He knew the wisdom. I was telling him, buddy, I know you don't want to get the water in your eyes. Just keep your chin up and the water will go back and then it won't get in your eyes. And he's like, yeah, it won't get in my eyes. What happened the second I put water on his face? He did this, and it was all in his eyes, and then some bubbles got in there, and he was like, Mom, on. I'm like, listen, I told you. <laughs> like, and I was a little more kind to him than that. But um, for dramatic sake, yeah, he, he should have kept his chin up, right? We do that all the time. Uh, another, I'll tattle on myself this time. I am really tired. Our kids have not been sleeping. Our little ones have not been sleeping very well this week. And um, I'm sitting on the sofa with my husband watching a show, which is just basically what we do every night. And I turned and looked at him and I said, I really should just go get in bed. And then I laid down on a pillow and seemed like onto the sofa because that's what we do, right? We know what wisdom is. We know what we ought to do, but often we don't want to do the thing that we should. And that's actually, Paul says that exact same thing in Romans chapter 7, 15. He says, I don't understand myself at all. 
I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. So, we do the very thing we hate, but we really like to say it's not our fault, right? We didn't do it. It's life around us. But Pastor Andy Stanley says, you are the common denominator for all your bad decisions. You are. I am. Did anybody else have the responsibility of getting myself up off the sofa and putting myself into bed? No, that was my own bad decision. I should have just gotten in bed. I would have slept better and had a full REM cycle if I just would have gotten up, right? I am the common denominator. I am on my own advisory board of my decisions. And if I don't choose wisdom, I'm choosing folly. I'm choosing to go against what God has given us in his word as wisdom, so let's, let's talk about this. What is kind of a working definition of wisdom? It's certainly not all-encompassing. But wisdom is doing now what you will appreciate having done later, okay? And you'll appreciate now. No, you'll appreciate later what you will have done now. Um, if I would have gotten off the sofa, I would have missed the episode, and I would have maybe been marginally bummed about missing the episode but I would have had a full sleep and I would have felt much better this morning instead of having bags under my eyes and being like a walking zombie, right? Okay, so that's a, that's a silly um, thing. What about when you go to the store, uh, nope, when you're hungry and you don't want to go home and cook, but you're on a budget and... You reason, however, that I'm tired now, and so I think I'm just going to go, like, get some Jimmy John's on the way home. Now, okay, Jimmy John's is not super expensive, right? But you are deciding to take money from your future self to fulfill a need, no, 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 a desire now that actually is going to hurt you in the future, right? You're taking things from the future for now, that's actually going to hurt you later. So wisdom is doing now what will actually benefit you later. Now, I totally skipped over the entire first part of my message, and so I'm going to go back to it right now, because otherwise the next thing that I say won't make any sense. Okay? Thank you. So in looking at a clear definition or a clear depiction of a wisdom versus folly or someone who is wise versus a fool, we're seeing Solomon. But what I wanted to show you at the very beginning in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 14, the author now says, everything under the sun is meaningless. Hold on, wait, what? Everything under the sun is meaningless, like chasing the wind. That word meaningless is the Hebrew word havel. And it actually means like a fog. It's like a, you just can't see. Have you ever, have you ever gotten out of the shower and your, your mirror is just totally covered in steam? You can't see anything. You either have to wipe it down or I use my blow dryer to heat it up and then it all dissipates, okay? But when you try and look in the mirror, you can't see clearly, right? You can't distinguish your features. You, you just can't really reach it. Or if you've ever been in an airplane and you're flying through the clouds, I mean, you, you, from here, we look up and we're like, that cloud is huge and it must be full and it must be like a giant rock or a 
pillow, something. But it's not. You're literally flying through and you really don't sense any difference. Havel is like that. It's something that you, you can't see through. You're trying to reach, but you can't ever quite grasp. And the author is saying this side of heaven, everything under the sun, it's not that it's actually meaningless. Our word for this in English is just not really great, but it's that it's hard to understand. Everything under the sun, guys, we don't get to see the end from the beginning like God does. Instead, we get to trust that when we follow his wisdom, even amidst the Havel, he will make it clear, okay? So here's the bottom line, and that's why I needed to go backwards. We need to follow, we need God's wisdom to see through the fog every day. It's not just something that we can choose like, ooh, I'll fix the fog. No, the fog is there. This side of heaven, there is just fog. There's just confusion. There's just things that don't seem to make sense, right? The tension here is, guys, we could make a thousand choices of toward wisdom and do a thousand things right. But how many of you know you make one mistake or make one choice of folly and it sets you way back? It is not a one-for-one thing. It's not like one piece of wisdom equals one piece of folly. No, it feels like folly is heavier. It really distracts and really messes stuff up. It's that Havel. One decision of folly really wrecks a lot of progress. For those of you who are married, you, I'm sure, have experienced this, where one flippant word can maybe set your wife off like crazy or women, the times where you have um, maybe shut down and just played the silent treatment actually wounds your husband a lot more than you realize. But that those pieces of folly that we choose, they do way more damage than a thousand choices toward wisdom. Parenting, ha, how many times I have exploded at my children and it takes a lot more to pour back into their heart and to say, I'm sorry, my face and my attitude said I hate you, and I don't. And I am really sorry that mom exploded in anger at you. I should not have done that. But how many of you know, like, you have to build that back up. In friendship, you mean, you say something out of line or you don't prioritize a friend and they start to feel like they just don't matter to you anymore. In work, you miss one deadline or are a little bit beneath your quota and you're your boss is like, dude, you have got to step it up, right? Finances, you seem to be going strong and then you need that Jimmy John's or you, um, you decide like, oh, I really want the latest bag from whomever. I'm not a bag girl, but okay, you know what I'm talking about. So we decide to make little choices that seem little for folly, toward folly, against wisdom, but they actually really mess us up. It is mission critical to carefully weigh the decision to choose wisdom over folly. It is mission critical. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 1 says, dead flies will even cause a bottle of perfume to stink. One dead fly will totally ruin an entire, I mean, how many of you have done this? You're cooking something and you find a bug in it and you're like, it's dead to me, I'm done. Like, I'm not touching this thing, right? Folly is like that. It's one seemingly small, seemingly insignificant thing that really messes everything up. 
So today we're going to look at three pitfalls of a fool and I'm going to move fast through these, okay? I originally had two and then I was like, no, this first one has to be on here. Fools cave in to the allure of culture. Did you see that with Solomon? He had everything that he wanted, but he was allured by the women of the surrounding cultures and that pulled his heart in their cultures, their religion, the way that they practice different things. He actually not only was allured by that, but then he enslaved his own people to build the temple. The people that had been set free from slavery, he re-enslaved them. Man, he decided keeping up with the Joneses was more important than actually honoring God. He was not standing solidly on God's word and remaining unstained like Pastor Elena talked about last week. 1 John 2.16 says, "This is, guys, this is what the world offers us. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our own achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. When I was a little kid, we used to do this thing called JBQ, and it was junior Bible quiz, and there were these questions, and honestly, I can't even remember the question, but I could say really quickly to you, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. That's what it is. We are really pulled by our eyes, by our flesh that just has desires, and by our pride. And the pitfall of a fool is that we cave into those desires. Here's what it says about King Solomon, 1 Kings 11, 9 through 11, it says, the Lord was very angry with Solomon, remember, for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. He warned Solomon specifically about worshiping other gods, but Solomon did not listen. Guys, Solomon, everything was pulled from him because he did not listen. His heart was pulled instead to the culture that surrounded him. I feel like I need to stop for a second and just say to us, church, God's word is true. God's word is true. Culture is going to tell you that you have to believe this, you have to do this, this is the way that you should behave. We are not of this world, y'all. We are not of this world. We are in it, but we are not of it. And we need to be kingdom bringers, not kingdom hangerouters. Okay, culture is so pervasive and it's so easily, it's so easy to get swayed by what the people around you are saying. We need to be people though who anchor ourselves to the word of God and have that be the thing that stays strong and stay the thing that we believe in the most. Agreed? Okay, now second thing, another pitfall of a fool is they don't regard, they disregard the principle of sowing and reaping. You guys know this, if you've ever planted anything, when you plant a seed, it grows. But fools think, oh, I don't even need to plant a seed. Here's what it says, Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Don't be misled. Remember that you can't ignore God. Wait, 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 what? You can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. Those who live to satisfy their sinful desires will harvest the consequences of what? Of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So wait, what do you want to choose? Do you want to choose decay and death or do you want to choose everlasting life? What do you want to choose? 
Thank you. Good. Okay, good. So me too. But don't get discouraged and give up among the hevel. Don't get discouraged and give up for you will reap a harvest of blessing at the appropriate time. Guys, part of the hevel here on earth is that we don't always see the harvest come to pass in our time. We don't always get to see the end from the beginning. But I'm so grateful that God makes that promise that we will see a blessing at the appropriate time. So fools disregard the principle of reaping and sowing and they, they also sow sparingly, but hope for a huge return. They're like, man, you know, if I just sit here and uh, I'll watch a few more episodes on Netflix and, you know, even if I go to bed at two o'clock, it's fine. I got to get up at six, but whatever, I'll be all right. But I bet you I'm going to have an amazing day and I'm going to blow through all my quotas tomorrow. No, no, no. See, you have to sow in order to reap. And you can't plant one seed and expect an entire giant harvest, right? You have to sow intentionally. Ecclesiastes 10:15 says, "Fools are so exhausted by a little work that they have no strength for even the simplest of tasks." Okay, now I've been here, but I recently was at Starbucks, and I'm totally going to tattle on a Starbucks person. They're not here, but anyway, um, it was a younger person, and I'm watching her sweep. It was at the very end of the evening, and she's, guys, she's got the broom, and she's just going like this. So work hard. Do the thing, people. And that's a silly example, but... Do your thing with excellence. Whatever the Lord has put before you, he did it because he needs you to accomplish it well so that you, why? You represent a God who is excellent and incredible and amazing. You are not meant to sit here on your holy duff and do nothing all day. You are meant to bring the kingdom of God. Do not reap sparingly. So, so do the thing. Fools don't want to put in the work. But here's what it says, Ecclesiastes 10, 18. Laziness lets the roof leak. And soon the rafters begin to rot. I'm gonna trust that the Holy Spirit is saying to you maybe right now some things that you are just letting leak. Where is it in your life? You know that there are some things that are going wrong. You know that there are some decisions that you are making that are not wisdom. You know in your relationships, in your marriage, with your kids, at work, whatever the case may be, where are you letting it leak? And the Lord's saying, if you keep letting it leak, it's going to rot. Let me in. I'm a master carpenter. Fools also think that things are just going to magically happen. Hey, have you ever been where you just say, why don't I hear from God anymore? Have you done the last thing he already told you to do? Have you been obedient with what he's already been telling you? Wisdom does the thing. Sow the thing. Get intentional. Be faithful. Act on what you know. Do not let the day pass without purpose and intentionality. Choose wisdom. Okay, now the third thing, and we're almost done. Fools think prominence is proof of success. Solomon, I mean, goodness, he was the king. He had all the riches. He had all the women. He had everything. He had all of the nations coming to him, right? Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 10, verses 5 through 7. Here's a piece of bad business I've seen on earth. 
An error can be blamed on whoever is in charge. Immaturity or foolishness can be given a place of prominence. How many of you have seen that? You just work for a son of a gun. And you're like, you are foolish. Why are you in charge? Okay? While maturity or wisdom is made to take a back seat, I've seen unproven upstarts riding in style where experienced veterans are put out to pasture. Guys, this is the havel that we live under. Sometimes things just don't make sense. Sometimes you work really, 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 really hard and you don't feel like you're getting any traction. Here's what's true though. Prominence does not equal success. And the flip side of that is low status does not equal failure. Receive the grace for wherever you are and also bring the humility with you. Whether you are in a high position or you are in a lowly state, trust that the Lord is with you in that and he's moving you forward, but you have to be anchored to wisdom. Just because you have the praise of man doesn't mean that you have the approval of heaven. Okay? It is really easy. I am a praise of man, people. You can ask anybody who knows me, and I need people to constantly affirm me. Brandon, I was showing him something on my phone the other night, and he's like, oh, is it a video of you parallel parking really well? And I was like, shut up! I'm a really good parker! He's like, and it, was, it, had, it was not at all that video, but this is my, he knows, like, I need like that, and a girl, you've done it! But the Bible also says that those who... Um, who desire the praise of men are actually not even God's servants. And I'm totally misquoting that, or not quoting it perfectly. You can look it up another time. But really, the truth is, we desire the praise of man, and we need to be content with the abundant joy from our Father and not the praise of man before us, right? And just because you have the approval of heaven, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have prominence. We like to think a lot of ourselves, but that doesn't make us right. So we need God's wisdom to cut through the fog every day. Now you may be thinking, I've made a thousand foolish decisions, Erica. What am I going to do? Well, here's the thing, guys. We don't just need God's advice and his suggestions. We need God himself. We need the wisdom that comes only through God himself. We need to grab on to Jesus himself through his word, our anchor, our solid foundation that Pastor Justin talked about. Solomon, at the very beginning of his life, he had all of the wisdom. He was following God on God's terms, and it was beautiful and fantastic, and God blessed him. But then he turned, and he began to choose to take himself off of the solid foundation of God and place himself on a a faulty foundation of self. He had abandoned the wisdom that he knew for the lust of his own flesh. And we have all made choices that go against God's best for us. And a payment is required for these choices. And all your good deeds will never be enough. All of my good deeds, all the times that I actually did make a good decision and did choose wisdom, it's never enough. There needs to be a payment What a beautiful thing that God sent his son and you don't have to pay it. Jesus already did. It's already done. He's already given you the wisdom. We need God's mercy and his wisdom. 
And because Jesus came and he sacrificed himself and he paid the penalty for our sin and our foolishness, we get to have the Holy Spirit who counsels us in all wisdom, bringing to mind the things that God has already said to us through his word. So guys, we're going to jump into a time of communion now. If you didn't get the communion elements there back on that table in the back, feel free to grab it. I'm going to pre-open mine. If you're new to this, there's a really thin plastic where the wafer is, and then there's another piece of plastic for the cup. Now, something else with communion, friends, if you are new to attending church, communion is a time where people who have already made Christ their Lord and Savior partake. If you haven't, um, you don't have to participate in this. This is really a body of believers remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. So because of God's mercy, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have access to the Holy Spirit of God every day, bringing us the wisdom that cuts through the fog every day. Let's take a moment and reflect on God's mercy. Let's ask him to inspect our hearts and cleanse us of the times where we have chosen our own lusts and desires over his wisdom. Okay, so let's take a moment. You guys can just pray and ask the Lord to search your heart and ask him to forgive you of those sins. Jesus, I know I can do no good thing apart from you. And I know that over and over again, I choose folly instead of wisdom. I know the thing that I should do, and like Paul, I do the thing that I hate. God, would you come in? Would you open my ears to be more in tune with your Holy Spirit? God, would you break my flesh from its earthly desires? Cause me to seek your face and to follow you more clearly, Jesus. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way and lead me in the way everlasting. Forgive us, O God. Amen. All right. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 23 through 26 says, For this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you, just as I received it. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the bread. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant. The covenant that was given to Abraham thousands of years ago is now made new by my blood. This is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink of it. Go ahead and take the cup. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death 
until he comes again. Would you pray with me one more time? God, we recognize that we just, (laughs) we are a foolish people. And the pitfalls of a fool, man, they ensnare us quickly. It's hard to see above the Havel. It's hard to keep our eyes fixed on you. It's hard to see the end from the beginning and remember you've got it all worked out and we just need to rest in your presence. God, we thank you for your sacrifice. We praise you, Jesus, that because of the sacrifice that you gave, we get to be with you forever. We can walk in freedom And in today, we have access to your Holy Spirit. We have the wisdom that we need before us. God, cause our hearts to be knit closer and closer to yours, to trust you for everything that we need, to choose wisdom even when folly seems really enticing. We rest in you, King Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.